0: Welcome to Emmanuel. How are you feeling today? Pretty good? (laughs) Excited to be here? Hey, if you are a first-time guest with us here today, we hope your experience thus far has been a really good one. If you're joining us online uh, on our website or through our church app, we want to welcome you as well. We're in a series right now called Love is a Verb. Love is a Verb. And uh, last week we started this series. If you were not here, you can go back and catch the whole talk Online, But uh, as a really quick sum up, I want to I kind of catch you up on where we were or where we left off last week. What we said last week is that all of us live our lives in the context of relationships, right? No one lives out their lives in isolation. Our greatest moments happen in the context of, of relationships and our greatest, our lowest moments happen in the context of relationships and everywhere in between. We also said this, we looked at a quote from Harvey McKay, he said this, that the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. In other words, if you and I are going to experience a really high quality of life, we have to have really good relationships. And if you look at the opposite, if we look at uh, someone whose life, whose quality of life is very low, they they usually have very uh, uh, difficult relationships in their life. And so If that's true, which we said it is, then it ought, to, it ought to move us towards making relationships a really high priority. We ought to really focus on making them better because as our relationships get better, the quality of our life gets better. And what we said last week is that the reason relationships are so difficult is because a lot of times we grow up and our relational needs, our emotional needs for support, for, for uh, aff- affirmation, for acceptance, uh, for security, they go unmet. And that leaves us what, with these things called deficits. And so when you get into to a relationship with someone, you have to deal with their deficits, their shortcomings, their shortfalls. In fact, most of human behavior can be explained as compensation for the shortfalls, compensation for the deficits that we, uh, that we have in our lives. And that's what makes it so hard to be in a relationship with someone. They're, they're, they're compensating uh, for all of the unmet emotional needs that they have. And so they're overworking or they're over drinking and they're overstressed or they try to control or they have to be the center of attention and they're always talking and they're manipulative or they de- they're deceitful or they lie. All of those things are what make relationships really difficult. Yes, you agree with this? And, and all of those things are usually compensation for the deficits that we have in our, in our lives. And so what, it's into this context that Jesus says these amazing words, love one another. Don't feel a certain way about somebody. That's, that's what our world tells us. Our world tells us that love is a feeling. No, no, no. He says, I want you to love one another. And, and to show us what love is, he tells us what he did. He says, as I have loved you. Well, what did he do? He laid down his life on the cross to be, cruci- to be sacrificed, to be crucified for you and I. He took action. He did what was best for you and I. He says, as I have loved you, as I took action, so you, say with me, must. It's not a should thing. You know, I should exercise. I should eat healthy. No, no, no. This is a must thing if I'm going to have great relationships. And so I challenged you last week to just take action. Uh, We looked at a story from Luke chapter 10 about a a guy who passed by a man on the side of the road uh, who two other really religious people just walked on by, you know, just turned the cold shoulder, right? They withdrew. They didn't care. But this guy stopped and he had compassion and he got down on his knee and he started to bandage this guy's wounds and he poured oil on his wounds and he picked him up and he put him on the donkey and he carried him into town and he took care of him and then he paid his bill. Eight different verbs in Luke chapter 10. Eight different actions this guy took. And so, what is love? Love is a verb. Love is taking action. It's not just a feeling. So how many of you took action this week? You put somebody on a donkey and you took them into town. Okay. Did you put anybody in your car? All right. <laughs> Got to preach a little bit better, a little bit stronger. Okay. Okay. Hopefully you took some sort of action this week and uh, you loved somebody. And so now, let me talk this week to those of you who heard the message last week, and maybe you didn't hear the message last week, but you just heard my review, and you're sitting there and you're thinking, man, that's a good message. I hear what Jesus had to say. I agree with it in my mind, in my heart. It makes sense. But I tell you what, what you're telling me to do, verbing people, loving people, taking action. That's the reason that my relationships are in such bad shape because that's all I do. <laughs> all I do is verb people. All I do is give people. All I do is take care of people. All I do is put people on donkeys and take them into town and pay their bill. And and, and you're telling me to continue to do that? Listen, the reason my relationships are in, stuff, in such a difficult shape is because I'm starting to get resentful. I'm starting to get bitter because all I do and I don't, all I do is give and I don't receive. It's all one way. And to be Quite honest, I'm exhausted, and you just told me to ratchet up my energy even more, and, and I don't have it. In fact, you might be thinking this, I don't have the energy to do what Jesus said. <laughs> I'm done. I'm exhausted. Now, all of us can feel this way from time to time in our lives. In fact, the more you go, uh, the more if you've grown up in a situation where your emotional needs were not met, security, support, encouragement, acceptance affirmation all those things the more susceptible you are to run low on energy the people who are most vulnerable to running out of energy when it comes to this type of love are caregivers people who are in caregiver positions specifically i'm talking to mothers of children it never ends It's clean, 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 clean. Wash, 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 wash. Homework, 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 homework. Discipline, 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 discipline. Pick your, pick up your room, pick up your room, pick up your room. It's cook, 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 cook. Dishwasher, 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 dishwasher. It never ends. So you're verbing people all the time. You're verbed out. And here you come to church and you hear the pastor say, here's what you need to do to fix your relationships. Just take action. And you're like, all I do is take action. Now, this isn't just mothers. This is stay-at-home fathers. This is anybody who takes care of children. This is anybody who's in a caregiving position. Could be a doctor. Could be a teacher. Could be a a, a ministry leader of some sort, right? Anybody who's in a position where their job is to take care of people. You heard that message last week and you said, (laughs) uh, nice idea, but I'm done. I, I'm, I'm out of energy. I want to speak to you today. I want to give those of you who are feeling that way a little bit of encouragement, okay? I want to speak directly to you. What's the answer? Where are you and I going to get the energy that we need to, to love the way Jesus says to love, to take action? And I'm going to give you a deep thought here. I need you to write this down. Here's what we're going to do. You must drink more coffee. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, this works, this works. You need some energy, and some of you have not discovered what caffeine can do for you. Now obviously I'm kidding, and I just messed with some of you because you actually wrote that in your notes, (laughs) and now your perfect notes are all messed up, you know. I know, some of you are like that, sorry. I did it on purpose. no, it's not that. I mean, this could help. Honestly, I have to have, I've had three cups this morning. It definitely can help. <laughs> but that's not the answer. The answer is not to drink more coffee or Mountain Dew or something like that. Here's the answer. Here's the real fill-in. You must connect with God, okay? You must connect with God. You know, I don't know about your family, but our family is a toaster oven family, okay? I don't know if you've discovered the power of the toaster oven yet. It's life-changing. It's family-transforming, Okay? What we do with the toaster oven is we use it every morning for, uh, we use it for English muffins, we use it for, uh, we've got three kids, so there's just English muffins, there's waffles, there's toast, there's all kinds of stuff that you can pop in here. I'm not kidding, literally a minute and a half, two minutes, maybe two and a half minutes later, you are looking at some beautiful toast, some beautiful waffles. It's very, very efficient and very quick. And, And so we use the toaster oven a lot. We also use it for lunch. Because you could take some pizza, pop it in here two minutes later. You know, you know how the microwave, it makes it soggy and like rubber? It's terrible. You take some pizza, you put it in here, it comes out nice and crispy. It's a beautiful thing. You could put some chicken in there. I'm telling you, this is not an infomercial. I'm just telling you <laughs> that the thing works. I mean, you put some salmon, some fish from the night before, it comes out like, like fresh. And it's just a really good deal. Some of you are going to go to Target this afternoon. That's exciting. <clears throat> And so we're a toaster oven family, okay? We rely upon it. It's actually part of the rhythm of our family. I know that sounds strange. It just is. We use it this morning. It's powerful. Um, and so we do breakfast and lunch. so one day, uh, about, uh, I don't know, six months ago or so, my, my son, my 14-year-old son says to me, Hey, Dad, the toaster oven broke. This is a big deal for our family okay so I'm looking at it and I'm pressing buttons and it's not working and I'm like oh man I can't believe that this thing isn't even that old it shouldn't have broke and what are we going to do and I guess we got to get you know buy a new one and where are you going to get 50 bucks from and so we're, we're an envelope Dave Ramsey family anybody else and so it's not like you know we could just go buy it we have to like you know look for it in the envelope system and so it's a deal so w- for whatever reason a 30 days go by without the toaster this is a major disturbance to our family okay? Rhythms have been thrown off because there's no toaster of it, okay? You understand this? And so 30 days, I'm like, I'm looking at this thing one day, I'm like, man, this is, this is terrible. What is wrong with this? And I reached my hand back behind it, and this is what I find. And I had a mixture of, of excitement and rage. You know, I was like, This, our life is going to go back to normal. Where's my son? You know, just one of those moments. And where I had gone wrong, and some of you have gone wrong this way when you're parenting. I know you have. You trusted the evaluation of the situation from your 14-year-old kid's perspective. Totally bad idea. I'll do a whole sermon on that one day. Do not trust the evaluation of the situation from your 14-year-old kid. Because this is what you get right here. And so, you know, that would led to an interesting conversation with with our son. You know, it was like a come-to-Jesus meeting. Hey, come, let's all gather around and talk about this. (laughs) You have caused major pain to our family, son. We trusted you, you know. Why do I tell you that story? To throw him under the bus? Well, a little bit. That's kind of fun. But no. I don't tell you that story to do that. I tell that story because it has a major application to our life, major spiritual application. See, so the reason that you and I are failing to produce toast muffins, toasted bagels galore, right? The reason is we're not plugged in. The reason we're struggling to love the way Jesus says to love is because we're not plugged in. And your notes there, the way we connect is to plug in. To connect to God for strength, for energy, we must plug in. Listen to the way Jesus said it in John 15. He said it perfectly. He said, I'm the vine, I'm the trunk of the tree, right? You you guys are the branches. If you stay connected, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear how, how much? Much fruit. Lots and lots of fruit lots of bagels, lots of toast, lots of waffles <laughs> are going to come out. If, if you stay plugged into me, you're going to have all the energy you need to love well. But apart from me, if you, if you unplug, you're not going to be able to produce anything. Now, Jesus doesn't mean anything. He doesn't mean nothing, literally. I mean, there's lots of things we can do without God. Have you noticed this? In fact, one of the the major enemies to the spiritual life is what you can do without God. Let me say that again. It's profound. Not because I said it. One of the major enemies of the spiritual life, of walking with Jesus, is what you can do without Him. It's what you can do in your own strength. The problem is is that you don't have much strength, and it runs out. What happens when it runs out? You're mean. You're nasty. You're short-tempered. You're ugly to those in your life. You can't forgive. You have no patience. You say terrible things. Why? Because you're dumb. You're toast. You know you're supposed to love. You know you're supposed to do well. But you're done. You're out of energy. You know what Jesus would say? Here's the problem. You're, you've, you've gotten disconnected. You're not remaining. This Greek word is meno. M-E-N-O. It means to stay right next to you. To stay really close with. Another translation says to abide in me, to stay connected to me. When you stay connected to the vine, the, the life-giving sap that is in the trunk of the tree flows into the branch and produces all kinds of divine fruit. See, Christianity is not a self-help program. Christianity is not a, hey, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, let's go try harder, try harder, try harder. I can preach those messages, and there's lots of people in the world that do, but that's not the message of Christianity. Christianity is, hey, You don't have what it takes. You need to tap into some divine resources if you're going to love well. You have to stay connected to the vine. The Apostle Paul said it this way in Galatians chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of living connected to the vine is what? Love. What are we talking about in this series? love love is caring about and doing what is best for someone well what what happens when I don't have the strength to do it what happens when I'm empty right well I plug in and the fruit of the spirit is love and joy and peace and how about this in the context of relationships anybody need some of that in the context of parenting (laughs) anybody have an older older child who's in their 20s and and they're driving you nuts right because they still haven't learned certain things and you need what right guess what if you're not plugged in If you're not plugged into the power source, you're not going to have the patience that you need with your 20 something child. What about kindness? See, these things don't make sense outside the context of relationships love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Here's a big one gentleness, tenderness, going slow with someone, right? And self control. How many relationships, how many relationships have you had that have just unraveled and fallen apart because someone could not control their temper? Don't raise your hand. (laughs) Because someone couldn't control their alcohol use. Don't raise your hand. Because someone couldn't control their their desires to to watch illicit things online like pornography or someone couldn't stop cheating on on their spouse. How many relationships have totally been destroyed because of a lack of self-control? Well, where are we going to get the strength to control ourselves? The Apostle Paul says it's a fruit of the Spirit. It's a, it's a byproduct of you staying connected to Jesus. And the life-giving sap that is in the trunk flows into your life and produces this kind of fruit. Wow. That's the Christian life. See, the Christian life is, can be summed up, um, summed up this way. The spiritual life. You are spiritual to the degree that you are drawing strength and power from another realm. Your life is a spiritual life to the, to the extent that you are drawing upon strength from God. And when you're not connected and you're not drawing strength and power from the, from the spiritual realm, well, your life is just an average, normal, human life. Now you, you can do some stuff with that. You just can't do anything divine. I'm here to tell you today, and I'm here to encourage you today, that there is power in God to love well. There is power available in God to love well to forgive to be patient to be kind to use an encouraging word to have a difficult conversation with someone in your life with a friend with a business partner there is power available in god to love well the apostle paul said some amazing things in the new testament and he wrote 14 books of the new testament a lot of us love, many people love Philippians chapter 4 verse 13, which we're going to get to in just a second. In fact, Stephen Curry, how many of you know who Stephen Curry is? Golden State Warriors rock star, right? He doesn't do this anymore, but initially he put Philippians four thirteen on his shoes. You guys, did you guys know that? He would draw it on there, and then, and then Under Armour actually printed Philippians 4.13 on his shoe. I don't think he does it anymore, but for years he did that. It's a very popular verse. We're going to get to it in a second. What we fail to look at is verse 11 and 12. We love to jump to verse 13, but let me show you what Paul said in verse 11 and 12, because you have to understand verse 13 through the context of 11 and 12. Watch what he says. I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. This word content means to have inward strength, inward resources. It's a, it's a sufficiency right? There's there's water in the well, right? I've learned to be content in whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. He continues. Watch this. I have learned, again, this is something we have to learn, okay? I have learned the secret of being content, of of having inner resources in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. In other words, I can find peace and contentment and strength in any situation. Whether someone just got got diagnosed with cancer, or I hit the lottery, or whatever the situation, I find inner resources, inner strength for life. Now, now watch verse 13. I can do all of this. What? Verse 12 and 11, through him who gives me, say it with me, strength. That is what Philippians 4.13 means. It doesn't mean that if you just pray hard, you'll become a a professional baseball player. It doesn't mean that if you just really pray hard, you'll become, you know, a a Hollywood actor. (laughs) It doesn't mean that you'll be able to do a 360 jam if you just pray hard and write it on your sneaker, okay? That would be awesome. You know, I would be able to do that if if that was the case because I'd just write it on my forehead, you know, and then be able to. It's not the case. Paul is saying... What is it that I can do? I can learn to have inner strength in whatever situation I find myself because it comes from Christ. It comes from Christ. I stay connected to the vine. I was talking with a few friends of mine this Friday morning at a coffee shop, and one of my friends shared a story. He said, 21 years ago, my wife was diagnosed with cancer, breast cancer. And uh, I was like, wow, he's going to share this story right here. And I kind of knew about it, but I didn't know the details too much. And he said to us that uh, he had three little kids, his career was just starting to take off, he had one boy and two little girls, and, and here it is, everything's going great in his life, and, and all of a sudden they get this diagnosis. And then he looked at the five of us sitting around the table, and he proceeded to talk to us about how he found strength and how he was able to get through that situation and love his family well and raise his, daughter and his, son, his daughters and his son well. And he looked at the five of us, and he quoted Isaiah chapter forty, verses twenty-eight through thirty-one. I mean, just verbatim, every single word, right from his mind. He quoted us. He looked us in the eyes, and he quoted the whole passage. I can't do that, so I'm going to read it to you. This is what he this is what he did. He looked at us, and he said, "Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He will not grow weary; he will not grow tired." And his understanding no one can fathom. This is what he said. He looked at us. I mean, he's just quoting this word for word, looking us in the eye. He gives strength to the weary, and he increases the what? The power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their what? Their strength. He's just looking at us. He's just looking at us, right? He's just quoting it off the top of his head. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And he proceeded to tell the five of us that he was able to get through that period where his wife had to fight cancer and go through chemo and radiation and all that stuff because he found power. He found strength in God. I'm here to tell you today that there is power available to you and me to love well in this life. Your life is spiritual to the, to the degree that you, that you are drawing upon spiritual strength from heaven. Christianity is about you living a divine life. I know that sounds weird. I know that does, but that's true. It's about you doing the miraculous. It's about your life being unexplainable in human terms. I don't know how she does that. I don't know how he had the strength to do that. That's what people ought to be saying about your life. I don't know how he or she is able to do that. There must be some type of outer strength coming into their life, and in fact there is. You remember Peter? Don't you love Peter? And if you're reading the one in your Bible, Pete, you just got to love Pete. He's just like you. He's just like me. He got angry. He was compulsive. He was reactive. Remember the time he pulled out his sword and chopped the dude's ear off? <laughs> I think he was aiming for the dude's head, and he missed. That's my personal opinion. And then Jesus had to pick the dude's ear up off the floor and put it back on his head. That was a sweet story. And then there's that time where Pete denied Christ three times. Like, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know him. You know, because a little girl was saying, aren't you one of his disciples, right? Peter was angry, he was, fi- he was compulsive, he was filled with fear, right? He's a person just like you, just like me. And yet, and yet, in Matthew chapter 14, God allows Peter to do something that no other human being in the existence, of, at least as much as we know, uh, of, human exp- of the human experience that no one else has been able to do. Jesus comes out of the mountain one day, he's been praying. He sees his disciples out on the boat. There's a storm. The wind and the waves are going. Jesus walks out to them on the waves. He's walking on the water. The disciples see him, and they're scared to death. They think he's a ghost, so they're like, ah, they start freaking out. Jesus says, hey, chill out. This is my translation. He says, hey, calm down. Calm down. It's just me. So what does Peter do? He's compulsive. He's reactive. He says, well, if it's you, call my name, and I'll come out to you. Watch what happens in Matthew 14. And Peter got down out of the boat. I just can't even believe this is in the Bible. And he walked on the water. Human beings do not walk on water. They just don't. But Peter was able to do something supernatural, unexplainable from the human experience. Wait, wait, how, how'd you do that? I don't, I don't understand. How was he able to do this? Did he draw upon his inner resources to walk on the water? Did he muster up the strength and say, I can do it, I can do it? You better believe it was God's power flowing into Peter's life, helping him to walk on the water. Pete, compulsive Pete, angry Pete, doubtful Pete, Pete who only, had, who only could think according to human, in human ways sometimes. Remember what Jesus said to him one time? Get behind me, Satan, because you're only thinking like a man. Peter, that Peter, walked on water. I'm here to tell you today that if you stay connected to the vine, you will be able to do supernatural things. You will be able to love people in ways that are not explainable according to human reasoning or human rationale. So, I know the question you're thinking right now. I I know, I can see it in your eyes. You're saying, well, how do I plug in, right? That's what you're thinking, right? That's the question? I'm so glad you asked the good questions because... Because that's the one I want to answer today. How do I do it? How do I minnow? How do I imbibe? How do I remain? How do I stay connected to the vine? Three ways, really quick. Number one, number one, the way that you stay connected is by trusting in him. See, that's what Peter did. When he looked at Jesus... He called, out, he called out and said, come, uh, can I come out? And Jesus said, come, and his eyes were focused on Jesus, and he got out of the boat, and he started walking on the water. How did he do it? He was relying and trusting upon God, and that's what we need to do. I know when I say trust God in church, people hear that, and they say, oh, that's the Sunday school answer, just trust God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. and all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths, right? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, you guys know that verse? That's the Sunday school answer, but what I'm really talking about is you fully relying upon God in the context of your relationships, trusting that he's going to add his supernatural to your natural, and that's exactly what happened. Now, how do we know Peter did this? Well, look what happened next in in, uh, Matthew 14. When he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out to the Lord, save me. You see, Peter suddenly remembered that human beings don't walk on water. <laughs> He's like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. And look how big those waves are. And he, and he got his mind and, and his heart uh, d- distracted or off of who Christ was. Watch what happens. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. And he said, you of little faith. You started out so great. You were trusting me. You were relying upon me. And then you started to say it with me, doubt. Why did you doubt, Peter? Jesus wasn't asking him why did he doubt himself because he wasn't trusting in himself. He was trusting in Christ. Why did you doubt my power? Why did you allow your mind and heart to get focused on what only you could do on the waves and the, and the, and the wind? Oh, trust in me, Peter. If you rely upon me, here's what's going to happen. My divine, divine power is going to flow into your life and you'll be able to do the divine. Your life will not be explainable by human means, by human rationale. Number one, trust in God. Number two, we have to stay connected or plug in through God's word. We have to plug in through God's word. In Matthew chapter 15, right shortly after Jesus said to abide in him and and, and if we abide in him and he in us, then we're going to bear much fruit. Listen to verse 7. Listen to what he says. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Jesus is saying, look, I've given you the words that you need. If you take my word into your mind and into your heart, my power is going to flow into you, and you're going to have the strength to do the divine. That's what he said. You and I, I always talk about taking God's word into your mind and heart. Is that right? If you've been around here for a while, I tell you to read the scriptures all the time. Here's why. Because this word, this book, the teachings of Jesus is a substance. It's a spiritual force that comes into your life. It does things to you. It changes you. It connects you to God. It transforms your mind. In Psalm chapter 1, one of my favorite passages, Psalm 1, verse 1 through 5, it says this, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or sit in the, stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scorners, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He'll be like a tree planted next to a streams of water that yields its fruit in season. His leaf does not wither, and whatsoever he does, he prospers. Listen to how... Psalm 1 describes a person who's in the word, who meditates on the word day and night, like a tree planted by streams of water. On that person's tree is lots of fruit. That person's leaf, the leaves on that person's tree do not wither, why? Because they're in the word. The word of God is a substance. When, when Moses was transitioning power to Joshua, the book of Deuteronomy, if you're a Bible reader, Moses was a big big dog leader, and because he struck the rock, remember, God said, you're not allowed to go into the promised land, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to uh, give you, I'm going to have you give your power over to Joshua. And So right before he transfers power over to Joshua, God gives Moses this song in Deuteronomy 32. And in the song, there's all kinds of instructions for God's people. You know, there's warnings, there's, there's directions, there's, you know, reminders of who God is. And he goes through this long song. And after the song is over, I want you to hear what Moses says to Joshua in Deuteronomy 32. Watch this. They're not just idle words for you. I'm not just making this up. I didn't just write you a song so you could sing it every now and then. No, 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 no. They are your, say it with me, they're your life. These words are your life. And as you take heed to these words, watch this. You will live long in the land and you, that you're crossing over the Jordan to possess. These words I'm giving you will sustain you. They will protect you. They will tap you into my power. How are you and I going to remain? How are you and I going to abide so we can have power in the context of our relationships? We're going to stay in God's word. We're also, number three, going to obey. We plug in through obedience. Simply obeying what Jesus said to do. In John chapter 15, verse 10, listen to these words. If you keep my words, if you keep my commands, if you obey my my commands, you will remain in my love. In other words, my love will will, will be sent down from heaven into your life as you follow my commands. Obedience is a big deal to Jesus. It's like when he sees one of his kids willing to keep the commands and obey the commands, it's like he, he sends all of his resources down to empower that woman, to empower that man to do miraculous works obedience in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount Jesus said you don't want to know what the wise person looks like the wise person is the person who hears the words of God puts them into practice and then when the winds come and the waves come and the rains come that person's life is solid their house is solid because it's built on a rock how do you build your life on the rock how do you have a strong supernatural life you know how you do it through obedience following what Jesus said some of us obey Jesus in a couple of areas that we like, and then in all the areas we don't like, we just kind of disregard what he says. Jesus is confused about, about that. You know that? He's confused about that. A lot of us do that with our sexuality. We just kind of do whatever we want with our sexuality. We sleep with whoever we want to sleep with, look at whatever we want to look at. Even though Jesus had some pretty straightforward things to say about sexuality, we just kind of do whatever we want to do. Jesus is confused by that. Listen to what he said in Luke 6. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do whatever you want with your sexuality? Well, that's not really what he said, but sort of... <laughs> what he said why do you call me lord lord and then not do what i say i'm confused like this whole thing works if you actually obey what i have to say about money and stress and fear and sexuality and relationships and then when you obey me then you connect with me and my divine power comes down into your life so you can do the supernatural why do you call me lord lord and not do what i say that's not life on the rock that's not how you abide that's not how you connect I'm going to tell you a quick story about how this works practically on on the ground level. The other day I came home, it was a long day, and I was tired, and um, maybe you can relate. Walk in the house, and things are out of order, and we've got three kids, and it it, it can get that way. And so I, I was pretty aggressive with my wife and some things that I said to her. And she had had a long day, and I didn't even know about it, what had happened in her day. And so because of what I said and how I said it, she started to cry. I know I'm a jerk. I just admit it. I'm a jerk. And when she started to cry, I was like, really? I can't believe it. You're, you're being overly sensitive, which made it worse. And so I just didn't really have any empathy, honestly, because I was just kind of done. Just kind of done. And I said, okay, if you're going to cry, then you're going to cry, and thats I'm just not. There's nothing I can do, because we got to solve problems and fix things, and we got stuff to do and places to be, and and, uh, just a complete jerk. So I went into the living room to watch the news, because I just wanted to tune out for a while and kind of catch up on what's going on in the world. Does this ever happen in your home at all? Uh, And so she says, well, I'm going to go to my office. So so that's usually a bad sign when you have, you know, two people in two different rooms. That's not a good thing uh, when it happens intentionally, and so... It, it doesn't happen often in our home, but it happened that day, and my, even my middle child uh, came up to me and said, uh, hey, what's, what's wrong with mom, you know, I'm like, oh, great, now the kids are noticing, and, and so I'm sitting there, and all I want to do is watch the news, and um, you know, God has this way of, of, of talking to us. Have you ever experienced? Because what I try to do is I try to stay in God's word, I try to obey, and I try to trust. Every day I just try to do those three. I try to re- abide in the vine. That's just my life. I try to do that. Imperfectly, f- I fail at it, but I try to do it every day. And so all of a sudden God starts talking to me. He's like, hey, um, knucklehead, <laughs> he says that to me. I don't know if he says that to you. Uh, by the way, God's quite chatty, if you haven't noticed. If you start to pay attention, you'll notice he's talking a lot. We just don't listen very well. So I'm sitting there, and I'm watching the news. He says, hey, knucklehead, you know, I, haven't I taught you in Ephesians 5, this is the power of the word being in your mind, haven't I taught you in Ephesians 5 to love your wife as you love yourself? Eye roll, you know, <laughs> yeah. Haven't I taught you that, that uh, to love your wife as, as, as Christ loved the church? He laid his life down. He sacrificed his life. He died for the church. Haven't I told you to love your wife that way, be willing to sacrifice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just so I just want to watch the news. Can I just watch the news? I just want to watch the news. Too sensitive. Just want to watch the news. You know what I'm saying? Just tilt it. And I'm just arguing with God, you know. And and uh, one thing leads to another, and he says, get up, get up, and go make it right. I'm like, but I don't have the energy. I'm, I'm, t- I'm done. I don't have it. Because if I get up and go into the office, I'm going to have to do this thing that men hate to do and and the reason you laugh and giggle is because you know men hate to say I'm sorry (laughs) and the reason we can't say it is because we're we're too proud to admit that we were wrong so I'm telling the Lord, I'm like sitting on the couch going, I just want to watch the news, he's like get up, I said okay if I get up you're going to have to help me because I don't have it he said get up and we'll do this together so I get up I literally get up with God I'm serious this is how it works this is how it works you're never alone it's never just you it's you and God you don't have to wait for church to be with God like you're with God on the couch when the news is going and your wife is in the that's with just you and God we get up off the couch I walk in I say, okay you're gonna have to help me walking in walking in it's not my fault I didn't say anything wrong (laughs) I open the door she's still kind of you know face is red and all that stuff and before I, I mean, I'm not kidding you. This, I'm not overly spiritual. I am just like the next guy. God gave me the strength to humble myself. And I looked at my wife and I said, hey, hey, babe, I'm, I'm sorry. I've had a long day. I was way too aggressive in what I said. I shouldn't have said it that way. And uh, will you forgive me? You know, my wife is like the sweetest woman in the world. I'm not kidding. She's so gentle and so tender. And so, of course, she said, of course I do, and you know, and she told me about her day and why she was, you know, how it was difficult day, or whatever, and we ended up hugging and having this great conversation, and, and we made up. Now, I'm here to tell you that that, I can take no credit for that, like zero, because I didn't have it in me. I didn't have the strength, but what did I do? I obeyed. He said, get up. We got, Get out of the chair. I, I was thinking about Ephesians 5, the word of God, and I was trusting that when I walked into that office that he was going to show up and give me the strength. And he shows up. So here's my question to you today. Will you, will you connect? And actually, what I'm really asking is, will you try it? Like, there is strength available to love well. And you want to know why people get divorced? Because they don't walk into the office. I would get divorced if I stopped walking into the office. I promise you, because there'll be a layer of resentment that builds, anger, that, and then tomorrow, nobody says sorry, nobody humbles themselves, another layer of resentment, and the next day, and before you know it, the layers are so thick, it's like, we hate each other. If I stop walking into offices and you stop walking into offices, relationships unravel and they end. It didn't have to be that way. It didn't have to be that way. There is power available for you to love well, but you're going to have to connect. You're going to have to trust. You're going to have to take God's word in. You are going to have to obey the master. There's a lot behind this question Will you connect? You know, Jesus said in John 13, and we've been looking at this the last two weeks, He said, hey guys, love one another as I have loved you. Love one another. You must do it. He repeats Himself in John 15. My command is simple. Love each other as I have loved you. And then in verse 13, which is, which is the famous one we like to quote or we see every, maybe on some walls or whatever. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. This is what Jesus did for you. He laid down his life. He sacrificed his life. Jesus says, there's no greater way I could have revealed how I felt about you than by taking the actions that were necessary in order to be in a relationship with you. I laid my life down. See, when Christ laid down his life on the cross, all of the sin of the world, yours included, mine included, was put on him. You have to understand that. He, that's why he died. The penalty of sin is death. Someone had to pay the price. Jesus said, Jesus said, if someone's gonna suffer, it's gonna be me, it's not gonna be you. If someone's gonna live, it's gonna be you and not me. I will die and you will live. I will suffer and you will be set free and forgiven. There's no greater love than for a person to lay down his life for his friends. Have you received that yet? Oh, I hope that you will if you haven't today. If you haven't already, I hope that you'll step into that. I hope that that you will understand that Christ died in your place. There's nothing you could do to earn his love. All you have to do is receive it. I know that's hard for men. We men, I can speak for one because I am a man. I don't know about you women, but we men, we like to earn stuff. We don't like free lunches. See that? Right, men? Am I right? Yes, yes. But you can't earn this one. This one, is, this, this one has to be received. All you have to do is say, thank you for this one. Thank you for dying in my place. I receive your love. I receive your forgiveness. If you'd like to make that decision today, I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer. It's a prayer of faith, and it does not take much faith, just a little bit. And if you put your faith in Christ today, if you rely upon him, if you trust in him, you will become his child today. If you'd like to pray that prayer, I'd invite you to close your eyes and bow your head in this very holy, sacred moment. Reach out to him right now and say these words. Take them and make them your own. Jesus, I trust you. You revealed your love. You showed your hand. You laid your life down for me. Nothing I can do to earn it. No way I can gain your favor all I can do is receive and today I receive lavish your love upon me wash away my guilt, my shame, my sin for I trust in you your sacrifice on the cross for me you did what I needed you did what was best for me And I receive it today by faith. Help me from this day forward to trust you, to take your word into my heart every day and to obey you in every way that your divine power would flow into my life. All for your glory. It's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Hey guys, if you prayed that prayer... We want to get you kick-started on your new journey with Christ. We want to put a one-year New Testament in your hands because as you take the Word of God into your heart and mind, you are going to abide, you're going to remain, you're going to stay connected to the vine, and you will see divine power in your life. Can we give God a hand for what he's done today? God is transforming the world, he's transforming communities by transforming your hearts. By turning you into the type of person that where agape love is just what comes out. The fruit of the Spirit is love, right? Doing what is best for other people. Think think about that. Think about a community where that's, that's what's happening in individual people's lives. Wow. That'd be a different community, wouldn't it? That's what God is up to. He's overcoming evil with good by transforming human hearts, and he's starting with yours. Will you plug in? Will you connect? I hope that you will. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for including us in your your work, restoring the world, restoring communities by transforming hearts. May it start in our hearts. May it start in my heart today. May I obey you and trust you and take your word into my heart today. Stay connected to the vine. I know the fruit will take care of itself. Jesus, I pray that you were, I hope that you were pleased today by what was sung, what was sang, what what was said. I hope that you're smiling right now. Produce the change in our hearts that you desire. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hey, next week we're going to be talking about forgiveness. Week number three, love is a verb. You're not going to want to miss it. Bring a friend. See you soon.